want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We got to help folks tonight. We're going to talk about the battle of the mind, battle for the mind tonight. We, we need to hit on this pretty regular because we're living in a day where it's getting real ugly concerning the battle that's going. I'm going to tell you something. You can do this and you can win this. You're going to have to. And uh, we need to hear what the Bible's got to say. He want, Father's going to help us tonight. The Spirit of God's going to help us tonight. And uh, I, I watch so many dear people of God just get their brains beat out because they don't know what's going on in their heads and what's going on in the atmosphere around them. The Bible's very clear about this. I'm going to talk tonight about uh, protecting your mind and bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and winning this battle that we're in. Uh, I've said this before. It's, it's, we're just going to have to start taking Jesus serious. <laughs> no, we have to start believing. No, I don't mean become religious and get all grumpy and frumpy and mess like that. You ought to be shouting and hollering. So we have to start taking what this book says serious. This book is sent to deliver you. This book, this is your life. The secrets of life are in here and the victory of life is in here. I want to read tonight the passage, the passage on spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6. You so I've read it before. <clears throat> I eat three times a day. It is not knowing something, it's feeding on it that blesses you. And, and my prayer for you is the Spirit of God. I, let me tell you something about the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit of God. You'll, you'll read something in the Bible over and over and over and all of a sudden you'll read it again one day and something will hit you right between the eyes. And the Spirit of God showed you something there that you've never seen before. Because only He can open the Word of God. And you, I've, I've got a passage, Luke chapter 15. I almost just dare Him to show me anything in there. He's shown me so much through the years and He'll say, turn and I'll think I know everything there and I'll say, I never saw that before. He's wonderful. I want him to show you something tonight in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. The Bible says this. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I like that. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles. Wiles means schemes, attacks, plans, garbage of the devil. A little bit of a misprint there. You don't have to stand against the attacks of the devil. None of you have ever faced the devil. The devil's a singular being. On the, he's not, the, the thought that there's a battle between God Almighty and the devil is laughable. The devil's a created being on the level of Michael. God Almighty rules forever. There's one devil, he's somewhere running. Now he runs all the demonic network. Uh, you've probably never faced him. I'm sure I've never faced him. I'm not that important. I think he's in Europe right now, grooming Antichrist, probably something like that. He might be in Washington, D.C. I'll just put him up there. But we don't deal with the devil. We deal with demons. But it's okay. It means the same thing. But you actually deal with the demonic, as you're going to see in this passage. So people say, oh, the devil's been harassing me. No, it's actually the demonic. So the Bible said, let's read it again, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the demonic or demons. We do not battle, war, wrestle, struggle. Anybody here struggle? All of us do. If you're on this planet, you're going to struggle until Jesus gets back. We do not struggle against flesh and blood. That's people. Now listen to me. Not even against your flesh and blood. But the revelation of God will help you to understand that a lot of the garbage you beat yourself up over, it's not you. You're not even struggling with yourself. We don't wrestle with people, human beings. Watch what the Bible says. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. All right against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Any darkness in this day you know of? Any insanity in the nation? All right, that's called the darkness of this day. Can you see that somebody's ruling that? 
what do people do like they do? There's a ruler. Somebody's behind this stuff. And we struggle with these folks that are behind this darkness, this garbage going on. Let's go. This, this helps it even more to understand this. Against the rules of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts. And you know what a spirit is? A spirit is a person without a body. You understand that? The Holy Spirit is a person without a body. An angel is a person without a body. Well, demons are people without bodies. And we struggle against spiritual hosts. What's a host? That's a person. If you have a dinner party, you're the host of the dinner party. But we struggle with spirit hosts, persons without bodies of the wickedness. You see, in the heavenly places, a terrible mystery. I don't mean up there. Heavenly places simply means in the spirit realm around us. This word, I've shown you this before. There are three heavens in the Bible, the heaven where God is, the celestial heaven where the stars are, and then there's the heavens known as the spirit world right around us. That's why Ephesians also says we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places now. Well, I'm certainly not in the third heaven now. I'm right here now. So when we struggle with spirit beings, hosts that are running wickedness in the spirit realm around us. I mean, I don't know how you can read this and not realize I'm going to struggle with darkness. Right? And that's why the Bible said, put on all the armor of God. Very clear. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor. Let's say this way. Take up the protection God's given you Amen. that you may be able to withstand and done all to stand. Can you see there? If there wasn't a battle, why would you need something? Why would you need God to protect you? But you got to take this up. And then he, he talks about this armor. Verse 14, it all just boils down to this, to this. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. It's all about truth. Everything's about truth or lies. Take up the truth. I want to get to one in particular. Take up the whole armor of God, truth, the breastplate of righteousness, which is the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross on your behalf. Cover your feet with the preparation of God of the possible of peace. But all taking the shield of faith with which you can stop the lies. Watch verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation. I want to talk about the helmet of salvation tonight. The battle for your thought life. You know what a helmet does. Helmet protects your head. All right, the word salvation is used two ways in the Bible. And we, we mistake it. The word salvation can mean I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. I have salvation. That's not this word. The other way salvation is used is deliverance or protection. David said, the Lord is my salvation. We didn't mean he's going to heaven. He said, he has protected me from my enemies. Well, the Bible said there's a helmet called deliverance or a helmet of protection. And he's told you because you're in a struggle mentally, but I want you to notice something. This, who puts it on? Did it say Jesus is going to do it for you? You put it on. So you've got to be an active participant in this battle. We got, we got, we're going to talk about lazy minds in a little bit. You've got to put this thing on there. Can you, can you see clearly, clearly that if you will do what the man says, you will put them under your feet where they belong. You can overcome the powers of darkness. I love the verse in Romans chapter 16 that says the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Amen. He means what he says. Right. Well, why is Satan beating the fire out of believers? Why is, they, why is he messing in their heads and screwing their lives up? Because we don't know how to do this. Either we don't know it or we're not doing it. But now, can you see an inversion in this passage? Here's the inversion. If you don't put it on, everything's got an inversion in scripture. Then as, as, you know, if I go out into a rough part of town, carry your pistol, you'd be safe. Don't carry your pistol, you might not come back. It's that simple. You, you got to put this on. You got to be proactive and you will absolutely keep the darkness under your feet. We need to quit being scared of darkness. Jesus defeated him once and for all at the cross. But you've got to apply the victory. You got you to walk in it. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight is actually how to do it. It's, it's, we're going to talk tonight about the helmet of deliverance, which is mental warfare. 
Then was the battles in the mind. The battle in life. You know, you get a flat tire, that wasn't a spirit of slackness or a spirit of nails. That's flat tire. The battle is in your mind. That's why the Bible talks about truth, faith, covering your head. You can see the battles in your mind. Now, let me explain to you about the difference in the mind and the heart. We live out of our hearts. You believe that? Guard your heart because out of the heart come the issues of life. You do what you do because of what's in your heart. A lot of people, we're Americans, we are masters at making excuses and blaming our childhood, blaming what somebody else did. Jesus said, that's not right. In Matthew chapter 15, 19, Jesus said, out of the heart of man come evil deeds. Theft, adultery, murder, fornication, deception. If you do it, it's because something's wrong with your heart. You got it? Now, what's the mind got to do with this? The mind is the gateway to the heart. Nothing can get to your heart till it goes through your mind. A thought becomes lodged in your heart, then it becomes the action of your heart. That's why the battle's for the mind, because if I can get in your head, I will capture your heart, I'll own your life. That's why the the demonic is battling for the thought life, because he comes through the gateway of the mind to get down in your heart, and then once he puts his crap in your heart, you're going to act out of it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But the Holy Spirit's battling for your heart. And, and through your mind. And this is why, the, this is why you, uh, disciplining the mind is so important. This is where we're getting killed in this, in this mind thing. Let's look at mental warfare. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the parallel passage on this. And this, I'm just, uh, you know, until the Spirit of God gives you understanding and, and opens your eyes and your thinking to this, you, you walk around like in a fog. All of a sudden, he begins to show you things. And let me tell you what you'll say. You'll say, so that's why that's happening right there. Now I understand. Now this stuff makes sense. Now I see why I'm struggling like I am. Of course, the Spirit of God gives you understanding so he can give you victory. He gives you understanding so, because let me, let me, let's settle this once and for all. Jesus came to this earth for one reason. I've come that you might have abundant life. Amen. Well, a mind that's all scatterbrained and been bondage and all screwed up and defiled, that is not abundant life. Abundant life is a free mind. And, when, and out of that mind, the heart is protected and healed. All right, in 2 Corinthians 10 is the pa- a passage on mental warfare. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 says this, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. Now you and I live in the natural realm, that's the flesh. I can see you, we got people, we got, we got the entertainment industry, we got the information industry. We, we live our lives in a natural realm, flesh, but we don't fight our battles with natural weapons. You know, it's not psychology. It's not, come on, man, suck it up. There's times to say that. Though we live in the natural realm, we don't fight naturally. Verse four, the weapons of our warfare are not natural. Now, carnal doesn't mean ugly. It just means natural. I'm trying to be strong. That's natural. That's not supernatural. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to do what? Destroy these strongholds. How many of you got strongholds? Every one of us do. We all do. The question is not do you have them. The question is you, how many have you torn down so far and are you working on the rest of them? Come on. Let me tell you what a stronghold is. A stronghold is something that gets in your head. You believe it in your heart. It gets lodged in there. It, come, it becomes a place the enemy takes advantage of you of. It's a lie. A stronghold is a lie against God's word that gets inside of you. You internalize it. You live out of it. I'm going to give you an example. There's a classic example. I was watching a girl the other day and she was, uh, her father molested her and abused her as a young girl. Another guy grabbed her. He, uh, 
used her for sex slavery. And she said, by the time I'm 21 years old, she said, of course, my life is a train wreck. Let me tell you, she said, on the inside of me, this, this is what, how I thought on the inside of me. I am worthless. And I am absolutely unlovable by anybody. Oh, that's a lie. She's not worthless. She's valuable. Christ gave his life for her. Amen. She's bought with a price. She, she's not unlovable. The creator of the universe loves her. People would love her if she got to the right ones. But can you see how that the events of her life and the demonic in her head got this thing in it? That she, she doesn't just think, I mean, this is, I am unlovable. That's a stronghold. That, that crap gets inside of people and they believe it. Well, guess what you're going to do then? You're going to live out of it. And you're going to live out of what you think about yourself. Yep. We walk on two legs. What I think about me and what I think about God. That's the two legs you walk on. If either one of them screwed up, you're going to be crippled in life. But that was in her heart and mind. And that's why she said, I never put out any effort to break free. Nobody wants me. Well, somebody wants her. That's why Jesus said, truth keeps people free. I'll give you another. We've, got, we've all got these things in us. They come from childhood. They come, people, now listen, you the enemy will exploit circumstances. And then he, are you talking about cruel? What, what Satan did to that girl is cruel. Does it to many girls. I'll give you another example. I'm, I, I see this all the time. I'm talking with a lady in our church sometime back and she, she has struggled. And I've always noticed she limps emotionally. She's crippled. There's just something down there. I knew there was something in there. And uh, something had happened that wasn't good and I said, we'll take care of it. And she, did, she just sort of, she said this. She said, I am such a loser. Such passion in what she said. She didn't, in her mind, she didn't say, let me tell the preacher I am a loser. That blew right out of her heart. You know why? I stamped in her heart. Maybe as a little girl, a daddy or a mama told her, you can't do nothing right. Or, you know, a teacher, I don't know it. But there was some human situation and the demonic jumped in there and said, yes. And that became a strong hold inside of her. Yeah. And we've all got them. Everybody's got them. I mean, this, have you not figured out this is a war? <laughs> but tell, let me tell you, the weapons of our warfare, they're mighty in God to do what? Get rid of those things. Pull down those strongholds and replace them with the truth of God. You are not a loser. Right. You are a champion. Amen. You're a conqueror. You're well, I, I don't feel that way. Who gives a rip? Let's get truth in there and start eating on the truth. And before long, it will be there. You ever heard of Murphy's Law? Absolute lie. If Romans 8, 28 is true, which is Murphy's Law, you know Murphy's Law, I can't win for losing. I can't lose for winning. But see how we don't, we read the Bible stories, but we don't take the truth of God and battle over this crap in our souls. And then we live out of this garbage. We live out of this nonsense. And I watch people just crippled and limp. You know what low self-esteem is? It's a demonic stronghold. How could the redeemed, forgiven, chosen, predetermined child of the living God have low self-esteem? It's a stronghold. And the Bible said the weapons of our warfare can get rid of this junk in our thinking and lives. So what? So what? So we can live abundantly. All right, let's read a little bit further. Verse 4. The weapons of our warfare, they're, they're not just natural. They're powerful to pull down these strongholds. Number five, casting down arguments or imaginations. Just write the word lie right there. We've got to get rid of the lies. Uh, my daughter came home. I think it was from camp one year from church here. She had, they had a shirt. Maybe this is their theme. It was really cool. Had a picture of this guy. He's sitting on the ground and rubbing his head. Another guy standing over a stick in his hand. 
And the caption was no more lies. I thought, that's all I got right there. That's what we need to do. And that we cast down lies, imaginations. Now watch these words, verse five. Against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Spiritual warfare ain't a thing in the world except discipline in your mind. And bringing every thought, making every thought that comes into your mind line up with the truth of God. That's all it is. It's that simple. And you can do it. Uh, victory is when every thought you think, you make it line up with the truth of God. Or if it don't line up with the truth of God, you out of here. You, you need to become the bouncer in your own head. And tell them, you are not welcome in here. You out of here, Bubba. And uh, this, uh, this is all it is. It's just a matter of, of, of just disciplining your mind to align it with truth. Every thought kept. Now listen, those strongholds, like I mentioned that girl who had been so abused by men, that stronghold of being worthless and unlovable. It, it, takes, some t- it takes a lot of time to get that out. It takes time. But listen, it is worth the battle. And a lot of the deep strongholds that all of us have are worth the battle. But this thing about taking every thought captive, that's a moment by moment thing. You can do that just like that. You can do it. You can be in a conversation. I was in one today talking with a lady, some folks and I was talking and all of a sudden I found the craziest thoughts and I just said, in front of you, I'm going to say, I said, uh, go. That's all it took. Actually, I said, get the hell out of here. It, it just takes a cognizant go away. Gone. You know, if, if you would just recognize what's going on, you usually won by just recognizing. That's right. Are you with me? Those are not your thoughts. All right, let me, uh, let me say this. It, it is a battle. This is a battle. Do you understand that thinking is a battle? The mind's in a battle? Let me prove it to you. Well, let me show you something. Turn with me to Matthew about the battle in the head. Matthew chapter 11. I'm just going to put it out there. If there's no demonic, why is it so hard to control your thinking? I mean, if it's not demonic, why do you struggle to control your thinking? Why don't you just tell your mind once and for all, think perfect thoughts, don't ever screw up again. Be over. <laughs> it's not the way it works. It's constant battle. You don't know what whack-a-mole is? <laughs> Young man, and he told me he felt he's called to preach. He said, where can I go get good training? I said, don't, you don't need to. I said, just buy your whack-a-mole game. You master whack-a-mole and then get your wheelbarrow and put 12 cats in it and try to push them all the way across the county. If you can do that, you're ready to pastor. You get good at whack-a-mole and you can push cats in a wheelbarrow, you, you can do it. It's, about, it's better training than any school I've ever known. You know what whack-a-mole is? We play, I love playing whack-a-mole. I, 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 I buried I want to push them all the way through the bottom of the machine. I'm going to bury them. Whack-a-mole is what's in your head. Yeah. You just, I mean, you knock one down, two come up. Knock that one down, you think, well, I got him. Here's another one, pop. Whack-a-mole is every day in your head. Mm-hmm. You can't quit whacking because you're tired of whacking. They'll whack you. That's, that's spiritual. That's, that's in the book of First Kings. <laughs> let, me, let me point something out to you. This has always been that strange verse nobody can understand. It's not hard to understand. Matthew eleven twelve. Jesus Christ said this, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent have to take it by force. Now, are you in the kingdom of heaven? Yes or no? If you're born again, you are. Corinthians chapter one says this, God almighty, the moment I was born again, he has transferred me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. I'm in the kingdom of God. I live in God's domain and kingdom. He rules over my life. 
All right, let me tell you, if you're in the kingdom of heaven, you're going to suffer violence. You're going to be under attack. Violent, violent beings are going to come against you. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. If you follow Jesus, you're going to be attacked. Attacked. You're going to be attacked. Kingdom of heaven suffers violence. But listen to me. That's when you have to get violent and become forceful. There, there has to be a, you know, if, if some gangbanger breaks into my house, I'm not going to grab the zinnias and go see him. I'm going to grab my 45. I don't, I don't want to. I wish he wouldn't break in. I don't want to, I've never want to shoot anybody. But I'll be danged if you're going to kill my house. I didn't pick this battle. But the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and you're going to have to start being forceful with this thing. When thoughts come barging into your head, you can't offer them a daisy. You got to be forceful and say, out. And there's times where it's going to get a little violent. Mm-hmm. Can we get a witness that gets violent in the head? I'm telling you, my, my cranial thing is starting to get wore out. <laughs> but you, this passive Mr. Rogers Christianity, you're getting your brains beat out. You're going to have to say, no more. Right. Why do you think that part of the weapons that God gave us is a sword? Mm-hmm. What do you use a sword for? It's free thought life. All right, I'm going to say it again. If there's no demonic activity, why is it so hard to control your thought life? I mean, you should just be able to say, well, here's how I'm going to think the rest of my life period be done with it. All right. Let me teach you about the thought world for a minute. The thought world. The Bible teaches that thoughts come from four sources in your head. You have thoughts from four places. This is how the thought world operates according to scripture. Now, psychology says there's three places. Um, the Bible teaches four. Number one, you have thoughts that are external. Thoughts come from the external around you. Somebody walks up to you and says something uh, that, that's various. They give you news of somebody getting hurt or sick or dying and that you get sad thoughts. Those thoughts came from external. You see a snake and you think thoughts because you saw that snake. A lot of our thinking comes from things we see externally or things we hear in music or, these thoughts come from the external. You understand what I mean by that? All right, number one, we have thoughts that are created from the external. Number two, thoughts come from internal sources. I've got a mind. I've got a subconscious I don't even know anything about that's in there. You can have your own thoughts and you need to learn how to discern between yours and somebody else's. But you have thoughts that come out of your own mind. You know, oh, I just remembered. Got to go to the doctor today. Oh, I just remembered. Yesterday was her birthday. Got to remember that. But you have thoughts that come out of your own mind. So thoughts can be external or internal. Number three, the Bible teaches us that thought, you can have thoughts that are eternal. God puts thoughts in your mind. The Spirit of God wants to put thoughts in your mind. Let's look at that. Perhaps you've never seen that before. Turn a little bit to the right to John chapter 14. When people talk about God speaking to them, you don't hear a voice. He puts thoughts in your mind. And... We need to learn to discern and to know these thoughts just came from heaven. One of the great promises Jesus gave is before he went away, he said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will put thoughts in your mind. This is John chapter 14, verse 26, John 14, 26. I want you to see this. I want you to mark this verse and remember this. This is one of his great promises. We need to hold on to this. John 14, 26, but the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance everything I've got to say to you. I want you to look at the words, bring to your remembrance. Those four words are one Greek word, upamonas, to place into the mind or put into the mind. The Holy Spirit will put thoughts in your mind and they're, mess- they're words from Jesus. 
They're words from heaven. When the Holy Spirit, when he's come, he'll teach you. The Bible said he'll teach you about everything. If we would learn to listen to him. But the way he teaches you is by bringing thoughts to your mind. And he'll do that. He'll put thoughts in your mind. And, and we need to learn to recognize those and worship him and appreciate him and invite him. And you know, the Holy Spirit is a person. People can be offended. That's why the Bible said, do not grieve or offend the Holy Spirit. Be nice to him. Tell him, thank you. Welcome him. He might talk to you some more. We want him to talk to us. So we have external thoughts. They're eternal. They come from heaven. Now listen to me. You have thoughts that are external, internal, eternal, but you have thoughts that are infernal. They come from hell. And I want to show you that. I want you to see it in the Bible that Christians can have thoughts put in their minds from hell. Let's look at two of them because I want you to get this. It, it, listen, if you learn this, you'll quit beating yourself up, realize those weren't my faults. Let me tell you something about a born again person. Jesus said, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. That crap didn't come from you. Good trees bear good fruit. All right, look at me in Acts chapter five. Look at two examples here. Acts chapter five. I, I don't understand why we don't learn this and practice I, in, in churches for years. I've watched Christians and I mean, they got a hotline to hell going straight into their head and they'll stand there and tear the place up with demons telling them what to say and have no idea what's going on in their heads. And uh, you know how I know it's demons. If it steals, kills and destroys, it sure ain't Jesus. Jesus heals and brings life. All right, Acts chapter five, a certain man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of land. He kept back part of the proceeds. His wife was a part of it, brought it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Yeah, let me, let me look here. People in that time, the spirit of God so broke loose. People loved everybody. They were all shared everything in common. People were selling their land to help people. Well, they sold a track of land, but they said to each other, said, look, let's, we sold this land for $10,000. Let's keep 5,000 back in case this Jesus stuff don't work. And we'll give them 5,000. As Peter told him, you didn't have to give any. It was yours to keep. But he got in trouble because of the scheme. See, there's a scheme there. All right, watch what happens. So they brought it, they put it at the apostles' feet. Verse three, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. And then he tells me it was your land. You didn't have to do it. Why'd you lie about it? Where did the idea to lie and concoct this scheme, where'd it come from? Where'd Simon say it came from? He said, Satan put that in your mind. I actually said, put it in his heart. Well, the mind's the gateway to the heart. This idea came from hell. This thought came from hell. And you can see that a demonic presence put that thought in that man's mind. Well, and these were not backslidden heathens. These were spirit-filled, born-again Christians. Everybody in that church is born again. Let me show you the key. Let me show you the head man doing it. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. I want you to see where the head man did this one time. And by head man, I don't mean Jesus. I mean chief apostle. Now, Simon... Everybody loves Simon. All right, all of a sudden, they got this great ministry going. Jesus is healing people. The momentum's there. Thousands are coming. Simon's sort of the manager of this road show. And everything's going great. And it's, they just, you know, everybody's wondering what's going on. All of a sudden, Jesus just pulls the rug out from underneath them. They sat down one night. Look what he tells them in John, excuse me, Matthew 16, 21. At that time, Jesus began to show his disciples. First time he told them, he must go to Jerusalem suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and be killed. Jesus said, I want to sit down and talk to y'all about something. We've been doing some wonderful things. They've been at it about two years now. These guys have got all kinds of dreams out front. Jesus, I need to tell y'all something. This show's fixing to come to an end. The preachers are going to kill me. That's what he says. 
Well, they're stunned. Look what Peter said. Verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Let me, let me mention, not good to rebuke God. Began to rebuke him saying, far be it from me, Lord, this will not, we won't let this happen to you. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? I sound, I mean, wouldn't you want to defend your friend if preachers were after him? Sounds good. What's the problem with it? Look in the next verse. He turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block. You're in the way. You're not what? Mind. Mindful of the things of God. Your mind is on something else. Who got in the chief apostle's mind to thwart the plans of God? If you can do it to the chief apostle, you think you can do it to me. I showed you this just to point out, thoughts can come from hell. And by hell, I mean the demonic, from the enemy. So you can have thoughts. Your thoughts come from four places. Outside stimuli, your own internal psyche, Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, can bring wonderful thoughts to your mind of encouragement and hope and life and peace. The book, Hearing God, is the manual for how to discern between thoughts. Let me tell you, if you're beat up and you're no count and you're worthless and you're discouraged and you ain't going to make it and you're scared for your kids, you ain't hearing from heaven. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. When He speaks, faith rises up. But you can have, in, you can have infernal thoughts come from the enemy also. So that's, that's the source of thoughts in our lives. Now, Let's take a little bit of time learning to control your thought life, learning how to take control. Because the Bible said we got we to lay hold, we got to do this. And the scripture we read again in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, that there's sort of a battle. And to bring every thought, what? Where do we bring every thought? Obedient to Christ. Make it line up. Obedient to Christ. Now, here's the question. I got a thought in my mind. How do I know whether that thought's obedient to Christ or not? I got to have some standard of measure to know whether this thought is, a, is this, did I think this? Is this Jesus? Is this the enemy? What's going on? How do I know what obedience to Christ is? Very simple. And there's two ways you can know it. Number one is through the word of God. Amen. The word of God is how we, the Bible said, listen to this, test everything. Mm-hmm. Test everything. I test every thought comes into my head to find out what the source is. Find out the source of every thought. All right, you test everything. This is what the Bible said. This First Thessalonians 5. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. If it's good, keep it. If it's not, kick it out of the house. I wonder what they think about me. Guess who's in your head? I don't think she likes me. Guess who's in your head? I ain't Jesus talking like that. That's not even you. Why would you care what they think? <laughs> All right. Let me tell you, you get, you, that's why you have to know the Word of God to know what truth is. Listen to what Jesus said about knowing this. This is John 8, 31, 32. Abide in my Word, you'll know the truth. Truth will make you free. 36 says, Here the Son sets free is free indeed. What is the secret to living in freedom in your thought life? You've got to know the Word of God. Now, you don't have to memorize the whole thing. Don't rest, relax. Here's what, and you've got to know it in certain areas. Number one, you need to know what the Word of God says about who God is. He is not mad. He's not hard. He's not the Wizard of Oz. He don't remember your past. You got to know who God is right there. One of the greatest challenges of your life is, say, what's the first thing you ever did in the earth? He challenged Eve on the nature of God. He tried to paint God as a, as a thief. And he's going to get in your head and do the same thing. That's why this little card is so important. And yet this is the word of God on who he is. I, I review this just about every day. I can memorize, I can quote it to you without looking at it. Again, it's an ongoing battle, so I need an ongoing review. I understand most soldiers keep one gun the whole time, but they use new bullets every day. Can I get a witness? All right. I'm going to tell you something. God is perfect love. He is peace. He is hope. He is beauty. He is faithful. 
You got you to know if these thoughts are contrary to that right there, that didn't come from heaven. This must have come from hell. The second thing you got to know God's word is not just on who he is, who you are. Yeah. You, you don't think I know who I am. I've been listening. I declare I don't. You are not who your mama said you are. You're not who the teacher said. You're not who your mirror says you are. You are who God says you are. Amen. And you, listen, I am fearfully and wonderfully made and that my soul knows right well. Amen. Psalm 139. And, and let me tell you something. I'm not a loser trying my best to get through life. I am predestined by God, chosen as his son. And, and this is the kind of, I'm accepted in the beloved. I am an able minister of the new covenant. Right there it says it. You are too. I am gifted. You got to get, get this down in your heart. And you got to know this truth so that when garbage comes in, you go, that ain't right. Bye. That, that's how you take thoughts captive. All right, number three. You got to know what the Bible says about people. Other people. The Bible has a lot to say about how we think about other people. The enemy of your soul will paint everybody in a negative light because he's the accuser of the brethren. He'll accuse you, but he'll accuse them. And that's where prejudice comes from. Not just prejudice over race, but prejudice over class. North, south, east, west, rich, poor, NASCAR, you know, Bach, all that garbage. And you've got to know what the Bible says about people. And when you get thoughts in your mind, contrary to the truth of Christ, you say, that's from hell, I ain't taking it. And you tell that thought, line up. Line up. You bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You ever had a negative thought about somebody? Yeah. Well, stand here till every one of you says yes. Sure you have. And so I shouldn't have thought like that. Now you're double whipped. You didn't think that. Don't you understand? Uh, let me give you an example. Job. Job was a good man, but he wasn't a perfect man. Good man, but he wasn't a perfect man. One day Satan stood right in front of God and God said, have you ever, you ever thought about my servant Job? He is a good, upright man who eschews evil. He loves me. Then when you get thoughts like that about people, God's talking to you. Satan said, only reason he does anything for you is because you give him so much money. Take the money away, he'll cuss you out. That sounds just like the heart of hell. When you get thoughts that look down your nose at people like that, guess who's talking to you? Guess who you need to throw out of the house at that moment? That the battle's on during the, the battle is in the, the battle is the thought life. And you had sign taking that mess. And uh, there was a, there's times where it's just pretty quiet in there. So what you thinking? Nothing. <laughs> Hungry. There's other times where you get so aggravated with people. How do you know demons aren't chewing on your head in that moment? And you need to go to, don't lay there and eat it. You need to go to war. And uh, <clears throat> you need to know what the word of God says about the purpose of life. I found myself the other day, I was praying about something. I said, you know, I'm, I'm 64, almost 65 now. And Spirit of God said, and? And, he, and in just a moment, he showed me, he said, you've let American thinking get on you. Get on you. He said, uh, is your spirit getting old? I said, no, my spirit's never been stronger. He said, how about your intellect? I said, well, it's never been much, but it's as good as it's ever been. <laughs> Intellect's doing good. I said, my body's not as bad as some are. And he said, renew your mind and begin to think like I tell you to think. This ain't a 40 year journey, doc. This is a journey till I see you face to face. We just get this garbage about life in our heads. It didn't come from Jesus and it cripples us. And you, you need to examine every thought and say, stand still, let me look at you. Come here in the light, let me look at you. Drag every thought right into the light of God's word and say, hold still while I look at you. 
I'm going to pull that, pull that mask off you and see who's behind this thinking. Don't be surprised me. He got horns on him. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and about every issue of life. Every issue of life, you got to know the truth and you got to walk in that thing. All righty. But let me tell you another way it'll happen. So the word of God helps me to adjust my thought life. The spirit of God will keep me on track in my thinking too. All right, let me show that to you. Romans chapter eight. The Holy Spirit of God will help me with my thinking. Now listen to me. He will not do this for you because he always respects your free will. But he'll help you. Romans chapter 8 is where we see that the Spirit of God helps us with our thinking. I tell you what a good marriage is. Good marriage is when a man looks at his wife and says, if I say something stupid, point it out. Y'all didn't like that, did you? I guess a good marriage is when a woman says to her husband, if you say something stupid, I'll point it out. But let me ask, wouldn't it be nice to have a friend? By the way, you made ought to be your friend. Wouldn't it be nice to have a friend who's not dogging, not putting you down. They just, I, 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 we're going to help each other. That's what, that's what marriage is. I'll give you a help meet. He called him a help meet. Help you meet the challenges of life. I'm going to help. You should help your mate have a better life. Amen. Be a better person, better believer, better husband, dad, mom. All, but you know, wouldn't it be great to have somebody that would say, uh, <clears throat> uh-uh. And you got enough sense to go, you're right. God gave you to help me. Don't blow up when your wife goes like that, unless she's wrong. <laughs> I, what did Jesus call the Holy Spirit? I'll give you another helper. What if the Holy Spirit of God stood beside you and every time your thought life got down in a stinking rabbit hole that was leading you in trouble, he went, <clears throat> wouldn't that be great? And you could just go, thank you. Thank you. I wouldn't even pay no attention. Thank you. Let me show you how he does it. That's in Romans chapter eight. The Bible says in Romans chapter eight, verse five, those who live according to the flesh set their what? Minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. Wherever the mind goes, you follow. You follow your mind. And it doesn't say God sets your mind. You're the one who gets to put your mind where you want to. If you live according to the flesh, then you control your mind in that direction. But if you go walk in the Spirit, you've got to tell your mind, follow the Spirit. Now, here's how you tell the difference in the next verse. Romans 8, 6 says this. The mind set on the flesh, the carnal mind is death. To be spirit-minded is life and peace. There's the litmus test right there. If my mind is aligned with the Holy Spirit, and I'm thinking like the Spirit wants me to think, there's going to be a quiet inside of me and a peace. You know what life means there? It doesn't mean my blood's going to be flowing. It means I'm going to be full of hope and encouragement and peace and joy. The life of God is released in my spirit when my mind's where it's supposed to be. Yeah. Now the Spirit's standing right there, so I'd love to bless you, but get your mind right. But if my mind, can you read that verse? The mind set on the flesh is death. What does that mean? If I do not discipline my mind, let it go where it wants to, I'm going to be discouraged, hopeless, fearful, clueless, confused. What's it all come down to? Where are you going to set your mind? You're, I'm telling you, the mind charts the course of your life. And, and I, I, when that sweetness and that quietness and the smile of the Holy Spirit, I know my thinking's like it needs to be. Thinking's right. All right. Just the other day, I had a little situation where I almost said something I should have said. And right here, something just got a little, something just bothered me right here. And I said, thank you. You're, you're a great helper. And I just knew, don't say it. Now, let, now let, me, let me clarify something here. What I was fixing to say was right. 
but it wasn't helpful. Uh, listen, we got to get off this right stuff. Jesus is right. And, and he just said, I, 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 I didn't hear that. You, you sense it right here. It's just, he, he, it's, he, some people call it a check. I call it a whack. It's whack-a-mole. He whacks me. And you know what? The moment I said, yes, sir, I'm sorry. Walked on. There was a quiet, just quiet. Came back. I love peace. Get your mind lined up. The spirit. Now listen, he's not going to take over and run your life. He's going to leave you the free will. You can think whatever you want to think. My mind, I can think what I want to. Good luck. But he'll help you if you let him. And listen, normal for the believer is peace and life and encouragement and hope. And when the mind's set on the spirit, that's what you have. Mind's set on the flesh. If you're afraid and nervous about the future and upset about something, your mind is not set on the spirit. It's set on the natural and the flesh. All right. So the Bible says that's how, I, that's how I bring every thought captive. If it lines up with the word of God, I got peace in my heart, my thinking's right. That's where it needs to be. And it leads to life. Right, let me take a minute before we dismiss. Let me talk about the disciplined mind versus the lazy mind. The lazy mind. I'll make a statement. I want you to chew on it for a minute. An undisciplined mind is a demon's playroom. An undisciplined mind is a demon's playroom. A lazy mind is a demon's playroom. If you want to look that up, the Bible says this, the evil spirit goes out of a man. He wanders through waterless places. He comes back and he finds the house. Well, the house is your mind, clean, swept and empty. Door wide open, it's empty. He comes in, brings seven more like him and he's worse now than you were to start with. You, 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 listen, Jesus will deliver you, but you're gonna have to, that's why the Bible said, gird up the loins of your mind. Gotta get your mind right. Gotta cause your mind to think like it needs to be thought. Think right in that thing. An undisciplined mind is the demon's play. You can't just, you, you can't just let your mind just run wherever it wants to. It's like a stray dog get in trouble. That's why the Bible said, gird up your mind. All right. Now, do you notice in Romans 8, it said this, set your mind, set your mind. My daddy said, boy, set down that chair and don't move. That's how you got to do your mind. Tell your mind, get over and stay there. You're going to have to get firm with your mind. You have to discipline your mind to get off of it. I want you to look with me in, uh, let, there's a couple, of, let's just look in one, Colossians chapter three. In Colossians chapter three, it's one of the most liberating things in the world when you see this truth and you begin to practice it and you go, you know what? God's word works. And this is much better. If I can change the way you think, I'll change everything in your life. That's true. If I can change the way you think, I've been accused of brainwashing people trying my best. That's why Jesus said in Ephesians chapter five, he said he loved the church that he might wash her with the water of his word. You got to wash the garbage out of your head so you can live. All right. If Colossians chapter three says this, if you were raised with Christ, born again, seek the things that are above. Verse two, set your mind on things above. Now I don't mean think about stars and the moon and the heavens. Think godly thoughts. What's the word set mean? Take control of your mind. Tell it to go there and make it stay there. You know, you, can you see discipline here and firmness? And uh, the Bible said, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, take control of your mind. Tell it how you want it to think and tell it to think above. Now, the question is often, well, what is above? I tell you, do I said one more? Turn back one page, Philippians chapter four. All right, here's the litmus test. Copy this verse and... Uh, Memorize this verse. I memorized this verse years ago and I love to, I love to pull it out and check, make sure if my mind's in the right place. 
Philippians 4 talks about some things. But verse 8 is the litmus test for believers thinking. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are, and he lists eight things, eight parameters. Is it true? Is it noble? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it of good report? If it's virtue, is it praiseworthy? You, a lot of those words you don't understand. Let me modern, let me put them in a language you can understand. This mind right here is not going to think about it. If it's not true, if it's not inspiring, if it's not honorable, if it's not pure, if it's not beautiful, if it's not encouraging and faith building, if it's not excellent, and if it don't cause you to want to praise God, I'm not thinking about it. Amen. What does it say? Whatever things are these, and then what's the last part of that verse say? In verse eight, meditate on these things. You know what meditate means? Think deeply or set your thoughts on these things. What if you was to discipline your mind or set your mind and say, today we go out, we're going to go outside today, and if it's not true, if it doesn't inspire me, if it's not honorable, if it's not pure, if it's not, if it's not just beautiful, if it doesn't encourage me and build my faith, if it's not excellent and it don't make me want to shout and praise God, I refuse to think it today. That's exactly what it means to set your mind on things above. That's what it means to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That, uh, especially this time of the year. I just love to drive around slow this time of year and look. God doesn't bust it out his watercolor set. I just love to drive around and look and I just tell him all the time, look, look what you did right there. I, I said, that's good. He said, I know I painted it. I said, you did good right there. I'm going to, listen, I'm going to stare. You know how many people are in mental institutions today because they couldn't find anything beauty to think, beautiful to think about? You know what a broken mind is? It has nothing beautiful to think about. Nothing inspiring to think about. Think up. You sound like one of them positive thinkers. You, I don't care if you call it cabbage and potatoes, whatever you want to call it. The bottom line is do what the Bible says. Get your mind up. So we're, just not, we're not going there. And th this, can you see, the, you see a little bit of a struggle here? A lazy mind that just says, ah, it's too much trouble. I'll just think whatever I want to think. You can be walking around with darts in your head. Oh, we had, we had to gird up the loins of our mind. Uh, let, me, let me give you a little practical here. Number one, first thing every day. You better come out and shoot and get your head right first thing every day. I don't get out of bed till I've told myself how to think. This is the day the Lord has made. We're not going to crab and be mad in it. We're going to rejoice. I'm thankful. If my feet, when I throw my feet over, if they work, praise God, I've been blessed. And I'm going to celebrate and think above. And listen, there's times it gets tough. The battle is on, but I done made up my mind first thing in the morning. We're going to shout and holler and praise and celebrate. I got a lot to be thankful for. And I tell my mind like I tell my wife's dog, you ain't going over there. Get up there. You got to do this. There's a tremendous battle. <clears throat> Listen to me. First Peter 5, 8 says this. Be vigilant, be sober. You know what that means? Pay attention to your thought life through the day. What are you thinking about? You ever heard this penny for your thoughts? Hell for your thoughts is what it's going to be if you don't take charge. Think about your thought life. Do you ever just find yourself going, why am I thinking about this? Examine your thought. That's what it means. Be vigilant, be sober. Matter of fact, Peter said this, gird up the loins of your mind, pay attention. And then let me throw this in. Respond quickly and firmly when something comes in there that shouldn't be there. Okay. Listen, one of the greatest Bible verses in the world, Barney Fife used to quote it, nip it in the bud. <laughs> Bring every thought captive. As soon as it comes through the door, grab it. I don't know if y'all saw this video. I think it was week before last. The guy comes in to go rob his store. Customer standing there. 
and he happened to be an ex-Marine or something like that. Guy walked in with his gun, and I mean, he didn't hardly say, stick him up for that gun, and jerk that gun out of his hand and whooped him. Yeah. I thought, a whole lot better than a trial and all that stuff. Just grab him as soon as he comes through the door. I saw that picture. I said, that's an exact picture of boy, the way our mind ought to be. When an enemy, I guarantee you, enemy thoughts come through your head with one person. Screw up your family and mess your life up. Jump on him as soon as he comes in the door. I mean, just, let me, let me ask you, how many times in a day you think you'd have to do this? I've lost count today. I've been doing this all day long. And that's once in a while I want to say to my enemy, don't you ever get tired? You know what he'd say? Nope. Fine. Then you just keep coming here. I'll keep popping you in the head. Just this your business. Now, sometimes, listen to me, sometimes this battle gets really intense. I mean, it really gets demonic. I hadn't been that long ago. For some reason, I got this cloud on me. And somebody had done something really foolish up here in my staff. And I got aggravated. Y'all know what aggravated is? Do you really know what aggravated is? And you're going, why can they not get it? You know what, y'all know what that is? First Corinthians 10 says that is drinking coffee with a demon. Look it up. I do not want you fellowshipping with a demon. And you're mad. You, you know, you're not screaming and hollering and cussing because Christians don't do that. You just aggravate it. And the aggravated you get, the darker it gets on the inside. You feel like you're a thousand miles from God. And, and, and then everything, you've, everything, everything sucks. It all sucks. Everything's wrong. Y'all don't do this, do you? Fine, laugh at me tonight. And y'all went on for about 30 minutes and then I finally, I just I said, wait a minute. This ain't about staff. This ain't about, I know what this is. I ain't putting up with this crap. And I reached down and picked up my little New Testament. If I don't have my whole sword, I just carry my pocket knife. Picked up my little New Testament and I turned and I began to read different Psalms. And then I went, sat down to pen and I began to sing. And I mean, within about, within about two minutes, it was gone. And a quietness came over me and a peace and everything was lovely and everybody was wonderful and Jesus was wonderful and everything was great. You know what that's called? Spiritual warfare. Yeah. But you've got to recognize what's going on in the heat of the moment. I can't fight this for you. Jesus gave you the weapons, but he won't fight it for you. It's your call. You're the one got to take hold of your thought life. And, and banish that thing and, and cast those thoughts down quickly. Now, let me, let me finish by saying that this is reality right here. This, this ain't no nonsense. This is reality. Let me tell you something else. This is fun. You know what fun is? When you find out, I don't have to think like that anymore. I don't have to put up that mess anymore. I don't have to get my brains beat out anymore. You know what's fun? When you just start throwing that stuff down and say, why wasn't I doing this the whole time? Because the mindset on the spirit is life and peace and life gets better and better. And let me tell you what happens. You begin to practice this and you, you know, it's like you can't, you can't be talking to somebody and this going, you went and said, hang on a minute. Do you know I just whooped his butt? Well, you know, you just got to stay on in. We live in two worlds. The world you can see and the one you can't see. And you begin to realize, I didn't put up with this junk. And listen, fear, fear. If ever anything was from hell, fear is from hell. How would you like to take every thought, every fearful thought and exit it for whatever it takes root? I'm not going to die. I'm going to live and declare the goodness of God. Uh, you, when you begin to whoop on this stuff, you, life just gets so much fun. That's, you know what that's called in the Bible? Freedom. Somebody should start a ministry called Living Free. Let me tell you something. You can do this. Jesus crushed Satan at the cross. We are not fighting for victory. We're fighting from a position that's already been established. 
It's, it's settled. It's a done deal. Right, let me explain to you how this works in the battle. You're so afraid I might lose. You can't lose. The only way you can lose is not fight. All right, let me offend, let me offend my, old, my grandma. Let me offend my grandma. Grandma lived with us sometime, and grandma loved championship wrestling. Park Center. Came on WBTV in Charlotte. She pulled her chair right up in front of me, and she wrestled with him in the chair. And she'd let me sit there, but I had to be quiet. And uh, she, this is back when wrestling was just loony. Well, I mean, it's demonic now, but it was loony back then. And grandma, that stuff was real to grandma. Well, I'm going to cut through the chase, but I got friends that wrestled. I'm between me and you. It's staged. If she wasn't dead, I wouldn't say that. Some of you probably never going to be back. It's staged. I got that from the horse's mouth. I mean, wrestlers told me. But now let me tell you something. It's real. As a buddy told me, he said, where do you think these scars came from? They bounce you on your head. That hurts. I said, I could imagine. It's real, but it's staged. They already know who's going to win before they get in there. Y'all, y'all believe this. You'll never watch it again, will you? It's still just as dumb, even if you know it's staged with the demonic mess today. They know before they ever get in the ring. Listen to me. There was this thing, this spiritual warfare. It's a fixed fight. He has overcome. He has crushed Satan under your feet. The Bible said in Psalm 149, this honor have all his saints to execute the written judgment on the enemy. It's sort of like saying, I'm fixing to put your enemy in the electric chair. Would you like to throw the switch? What an honor. It was the only way you lose is by not fighting and letting them get away with it. You can point at everything else in the name of Jesus. Get out of here. Yes. You say, I don't want to look silly talking to the devil. Like Jesus. When he said, get thee behind me. Now, you, I don't know whether they said it out loud or not, but you need to be one of those people where you just gird up the loins of your mind and say, that crap ain't coming here no more. No more fear. No more anger. No more anxiety. You're not going to criticize anybody. You're not going to criticize me. You're not going to beat me up. No more lust. No more nonsense. No more stupid ideas about lying to God. Amen. You are no longer welcome here. Matter of fact, just, just put a notice out there. Don't try it again. He won't pay no attention to coming anyway, but you whoop the sword of the Spirit out and you tell him, your day's done here, buddy. And you clear out and you begin to practice and you get stronger and stronger. And it's just the joy of a victorious thought life. I look into people's eyes now and I see the pain. I see the demonic. I see the garbage in there. We were, we were born again to live free and get freer. And you want to be free indeed. All righty. What do y'all think about that? All right. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you. I just, I want this to go deep into their hearts. You have won the battle. The Bible said that you went down, you crushed Satan, and then you led him on a victory parade. You paraded him through town as a defeated foe. And you crushed him at the cross. And then you gave the keys to the kingdom to your children. Father, keys don't do us a bit of good unless we use them. I pray for every person in this room that the Spirit of God would simply open the eyes of their heart to this is what's going on in your life. This is where the mess comes from. This is where the low self-esteem, the fear, the worthlessness, the inability, whatever particular one's hammering on them, this is where it comes from right here. Quit taking it. Quit believing it. Quit laying down for it. Fight the good fight of faith. Push back. Just resolve in your mind, I ain't putting up with this anymore. Jesus died to make me a champion, a conqueror. I am bought with a price. I'm more valuable than gold and silver to Jesus. He loves me. He has sealed my future. I am the head and not the tail. I pray in Jesus' name, folks, that lay hold of that word and say, this is going to be fun right here. 
I thank you for what happens when we walk in the victory that you've already captured at the cross. I praise you and bless you. I pray in Jesus' name that these minds and these hearts will be, you said my house will be a house of prayer and praise and celebration. I thank you and praise you that no fly can sit on a hot stove for long and no devil can hang around the house of praise in my mind and heart. That's why from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. I will meditate on the glorious goodness of God. I praise Father. I want to create such an atmosphere in my heart and mind that devils dare each other to try to go in there. God, this is so much fun. I give you the praise and glory. Thank you for every person here tonight. I don't want them to just be saved, Jesus. I want them to walk in the victory that you won at the cross. Thank you for your goodness in the precious name of Jesus we pray.